Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. While so many aspects of Western medicine are life-saving and indispensable, this doesn't mean that they aren't without unintended consequences, and further, that abuse of these practices can lead to wide-scale consequences, such as the case with two modern medical practices, antibiotic use and cesarean section. Each carries consequences even when used appropriately, and both have been recognized as widely overused in recent decades to the extent that antibiotic overuse and consequentially antibiotic resistance has become a major global public health problem, and overuse of cesarean section has led even obstetric societies in the U.S. to seek strategies for reducing what is currently a 34% national cesarean section rate. As research has been emerging on the importance of the human microbiome on our health, so too has research emerged on the potentially deleterious impacts of early antibiotic exposure and cesarean section, which go hand in hand on the long-term health of our children. Studies have demonstrated that babies born by cesarean have a greater lifetime risk of obesity, type 1 diabetes, asthma, and celiac disease, and it's thought that other diseases, including juvenile arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, immune deficiencies, and other conditions may also be associated with early perturbation of natural colonization of the infant with the maternal microbiome at the time of birth and or early antibiotic exposure. Joining me today is none other than Dr. Maria Gloria Dominguez-Bello, one of the most accomplished and respected microbiome researchers in the world and arguably the leading researcher on the infant microbiome, cesarean section, and the microbiome's impact on our health. She particularly studies also the impact of Western lifestyles effects on the human microbiome. Dr. Dominguez-Bello, who has a PhD in microbiology, has published over 120 papers on the microbiome, has been a distinguished professor at NYU, and is now the Henry Rutgers Professor of Microbiome and Health at Rutgers University. She's instrumental in research projects all over the world, is widely awarded and widely respected. Her work, however, doesn't involve sitting at a desk writing all day. It's taken her as far and wide as the Amazon of South America to villages in Africa, where she compares the microbiome and health of those living in more traditional societies with those living in industrialized cultures. While not a romanticizer about turning back time on technology, she does espouse a need to return to nature and to honor the evolutionary factors that contribute to our health and has stated that we must take a close look at how modern medical practices insult our biology and the importance of medicine adopting a greater evolutionary vision that also recognizes these unintended consequences. It was the publication of Dr. Domingo's Bellows' landmark pilot study on the partial repopulation of vaginal microbiomes in babies born by cesarean that led to the term and what is now taking off in the USA as a self-help practice by parents and some midwives called vaginal reseeding, the topic of our visit today. Gloria, thank you for making time in your busy schedule to chat with my online community about what I at least consider perhaps one of the most pressing health issues of our time. And thank you for all the work you're doing on all of our behalf. 
Well, thank you so much for inviting me, and I'm, I feel really flattered by your superlatives and adjectives towards me. Uh, I don't think I deserve that much. I'm, I'm one of a group of uh, researchers that are passionate about their work, and uh, and I try to do my best. Well, you're doing an amazing job, and I would argue that they are quite deserved. I've been following your work for quite a number of years now, and it has certainly been incredibly invaluable, I think, in changing some of the conversation that's being had. I know you are incredibly busy, and we have just about 20 minutes, so if you don't mind, I'm going to just jump right into some questions that I prepared for you that I think will be really helpful for the audience. So you set out to do a pilot study in Venezuela, and you reseeded four infants. I'm, I'm incredibly incredibly curious, first of all, what led you to making this connection between cesarean antibiotics and long-term health, and, um, and, uh, and what led you to do that pilot study particularly? So C-section is obviously a, a way of birth that bypasses the birth canal. That's pretty obvious. So when, when we know and we learn that the birth canal is heavily colonized by bacteria that is, are very familiar to us because they are very related to milk and we know them because we have used them in uh, some of our foods like uh, yogurt. So we everybody's familiar with lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. These are bacteria that colonize the birth canal of the mother and the, that the baby acquires during normal delivery to then drink milk. So there is a connection there. It's not random. Uh, the birth canal prepares for the baby. We know that. Pregnancy changes the vaginal microbiota. So if we think that there is a fitness or adaptive value to those those changes um, because they have persist through the generations and through a speciation in every mammal that has a birth canal full of microbes, uh, one can think that there has to be a benefit for the baby to have to cross before birth to cross this birth canal. So C-section is obviously bypassing that. And in addition, C-sections entitle antibiotic use. So we thought as an ecologist, so ecologists immediately try to think, how do we restore? If there is a fire in the forest, you know, can we plant back what the forest had? Can we replant the community? Uh, so we thought, well, what about, we can't restore labor. We can't do, you know, C-sections um, with it, what can we restore of the composite of factors that C-section represent? One thing we can restore is the environment, the vaginal fluids. So we decided in Puerto Rico to start a restoration project and expose healthy babies from healthy mothers, healthy pregnancies. The mothers were had no infections that we could detect. GBS negative, HIV negative, uh, STD, sexual transmitted diseases negative, you know, the healthiest um, possible moms that had the bad luck that of malposition presentation, for example, the baby's in bad position to for labor, or repeated C-sections. And we uh, invited those mothers to participate in a pilot for what we thought uh, would be a much bigger study. 
where we would expose half of the babies to vaginal fluids uh, or not after C-section and compare them with vaginal delivery. We started and we seeded four babies. We had C-section born without exposure, without seeding, and we had seven uh, also vaginally born, and we decided to publish the pilot uh, in order to see whether we saw something with this small number of babies. And our, result, uh, our results indicate that we could restore, at least partially, during the first month, the microbiota of babies born by C-section if they acquire vaginal bacteria after birth. Now, babies that are born vaginally who don't have the reseeding, typically what we see is a population with either the mother's skin flora and or usually a combination of skin flora from the mom and what we actually see commonly populated from just the operating room itself. How do you feel that this reseeding uh, has a potential to impact the baby's long-term health over these babies who didn't? I know the study didn't hasn't gone that far, but if you could speculate as to what the outcomes might be based on what we know, what, what do you think we might see? So... We, uh, we we call it seeding because reseeding suggests that the baby has has been previously seeded mm-hmm. and reseeding. We call it seeding, um, and the idea is to to give the baby the first natural exposure to microbes that mammals see, which is birth canal microbes. Uh, what we saw is that those babies that were born by C-section that were seeded. Uh, acquire and were colonized by vaginal bacteria, more, more like vaginally born babies are. C-section babies, to our surprise, even, even right at the seconds of birth, when you swab their skin, their mouth, they already have bacteria, which we know, we think, and we have evidence that uh, are skin bacteria floating in the operating room skin bacteria from we don't know whom, uh, the least likely person is the mother because the mother is below, it's against gravity. The babies are pull up when they are uh, born by C-section with the sterile gloves into the air of the operating room. Uh, that led us to a whole new project on the built environment and what is the composition of bacteria in the, our homes and operating rooms and hospitals. So we have evidence that we can normalize the microbiota of babies that are born by C-section if they are exposed to vaginal bacteria, vaginal fluids. The big question is, so what? And the answer is we don't know yet because the study needs to be uh, much longer and much many more babies. Uh, We need a study of hundreds of babies follow for five years to be able to say, you know, the babies in this group have less asthma, have lower body mass index, have lower risk of obesity, et cetera, lower allergies. So the big, big study <clears throat> is being started now in South Carolina by Innova. I'm, I'm collaborating with them, but they are doing the clinical trial. 
Uh, I know Mount Sinai is also doing a clinical trial seeding babies and studying uh, risk of diseases. So these clinical trials are long and expensive, but they are they are going to happen because you know seeding could be a, a is is a very intuitive and <clears throat> natural way of restoring a natural exposure. Um, you know, in the future, if you ask me in 50 years, in 100 years, maybe we will have a technology where we we have a cream with the right probiotics, human real probiotics for the babies. But we are not there yet. We, we need to study a lot more and understand what are the first colonizers who follow and how is the whole dynamic process of success, succession ecological succession to reach the adult conformation for the specific organ, for the skin, for the mouth, for the intestine. I feel like sometimes the more I read about the microbiome, the less I know. It, it feels like the more questions that get raised all the time. It's such an, an incredibly fascinating and fast-growing area. One of the things that often happens in I think particularly this may be a, a common U.S. phenomenon is we read something in the news and the next thing it becomes a trend. And when you did the pilot study, it was a very limited number of babies. And yet very quickly, uh, parents, counterculture parents, midwives, and I, you know, I count myself amongst those as well, although I wasn't doing vaginal seeding. Um, have taken to the practice. Uh, some of them are uh, surreptitiously gathering fluids in hospitals before uh, anticipating a C-section. The C-section rate is really high in the U.S., of course, many other countries in South America as well. Do you feel that it's ready for prime time? I know ACOG has made a definitive statement that outside of clinical trials, it's really not ready for prime time. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. We need, well, I definitely I agree with uh, discouraging women do, to do to do that alone. If they are planning to do it, they should do it under the supervision of a doctor because the doctor can tell them if they have any infection risk. So I definitely shouldn't be done without the doctor's expertise and and, and help, even if the doctor doesn't intervene, but they need the the knowledge, you know, am I, do I have any danger, any risk factor for the baby? Uh, because the mother may have an infection and transfer it. Uh, we think that, you know, the risk is never going to be higher than uh, vaginal delivery. But vaginal delivery are supervised. So, you know, the doctors need to answer questions about how healthy is that vaginal environment for the baby. Um, again, the ACOG is right that, you know, we don't know the outcomes, but we suspect that if you are restoring a natural exposure, you can expect, and knowing how important the microbiome is for the training of the immune system, we know that. We, we know we need the right bacteria to train the immune system. We hypothesize that the outcome uh, should be better, improve. Uh, health and reduce risks. So if a mom is group B strep negative, we know that she's negative for gonorrhea, chlamydia, the common things that we would normally test for during pregnancy anyway. Do you feel that under a midwife or 
OB or family doctor supervision, whoever is supporting the birth, that it may be worth the, uh, and if the mom's otherwise healthy, let's say she's not particularly diabetic or something else, which I want to ask you about, um, that the potential for benefit outweighs the likelihood of risk. If particularly- that, that is our hypothesis, and that's why we are working on, on that, and we are working on the um, long uh, study to look at health outcomes. And would you follow the protocol? I believe you gathered vaginal sample an hour before birth, and then you swab the baby's face and mouth. Is that the general procedure? Yeah, the protocol is published, mm-hmm. and it's accessible to everybody. Uh, I get a lot of questions, and I, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm a microbiologist, PhD, not an MD. Uh, I don't think the field is ready for doctors to recommend, but some doctors understand and understand that, you know, if the risk is not higher than a vaginal delivery and there is no detected infection, they are sympathetic, but not a established practice. Mm-hmm. Again, I think it's up to the parents. To, to, you know, take the risk uh, with the, uh, take the risk or not with the right information, but they need the information. Now, one of the things that has been recommended, and I actually do as a protocol in my practice now, is, uh, is giving a baby who's been born by cesarean a probiotic that contains lactobacillus and bifidobacterium strains. Uh, There have been some studies that have shown reduction in some of the risks of the conditions that we've talked about that may be exaggerated with a cesarean section. And I wonder what your thoughts are on this, as well as the fact that we, um, to my understanding, now know that because baby's mouth isn't colonized, by the vaginal flora coming out, that may actually impact the microbiota of the breast milk in terms of the baby's oral saliva and feedback mechanisms that are being exchanged between the mom. And then the mom herself has also been exposed to an antibiotic if she's had a cesarean. So do you think there's a role for a replacement or, or attempted replacement or at least support with probiotics for mom and baby after birth if there's been a cesarean? The problem with probiotics is that we don't know what they do. I mean, companies claim uh, under, you know, they claim health benefits, but they cannot, they cannot say what are the health benefits because then the FDA will ask them to um, submit for approval. So the whole thing is so distorted, the whole uh, problem of probiotics, because companies want to sell them over the counter. But if they show that there is a biological function and there is a, you know, activity being conferred, that converts the, the, the product into, into a drug. And then the FDA has to intervene. So companies avoid that at all costs. <clears throat> what the consequence of that is that we don't know what probiotics are doing if they are doing anything. Uh, I I like yogurt and I eat yogurt basically because it's not harmful and I love it, but not because I think it's doing anything good. There is there is almost no proof, and when there is proof, the, you know the secrecy of the companies and we just we just don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why. It is so important that um, universities and independent entities do the 
do the research because the companies have obviously interests in selling their products. So uh, I think the whole area of probiotic is in a very gray uh, scientific uh, terrain. It's very difficult. Supplements in general fall into so much of this conflated marketing versus accuracy. It's very difficult to sort out. And the reason is the companies are avoiding the FDA. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the reason. And they want their products to be sold over the counter. So cesarean sections obviously serve a purpose. And even even the inflated amount of them we see is not going to get reduced any time in the next foreseeable short future to the rate that the World Health Organization recommends, which is really no more than 19%. In the US, we're, we're, we're more than double that in some places. So we have a lot of concerned parents hearing about the impact of cesarean on the baby's microbiome, on potentially their breast milk through the baby's oral breast interaction. What can parents do to, other than, of course, avoiding unnecessary cesareans to the best that anyone can, which is difficult, what can they do to support um, their baby's microbiome if they have had a cesarean, uh, whether it's breastfeeding, co-sleeping, exposure to dirt when kids are growing up? What are some of your recommendations? So. I'd like to just agree with you that C-sections save lives. I work in the Amazon jungle in villages where one out of 10 babies or moms die because they don't have C-sections. So it's like antibiotics. When you need an antibiotic, please use it. It can save your life. The problem, as you say, is overuse. And why are we overusing C-sections? Uh, you know, there are different reasons, but I think in Latin America, uh, one of the reasons is fear of pain. So we need to do more research to to have to be able to have natural births that are painless. Where is that research? There is no, there is none. What we have done is to avoid natural births. That, that's the route we have taken. We have to go back to the natural way and find out what is, it's like a running a marathon. How do we prepare? How do we manage pain? And just do it naturally. I think there is a lot of research needed there that we don't have. So I don't blame the mothers for being no. fearful of pain. Uh, the second thing is we think in countries like the U.S. where um, some chronic diseases are increasing, such as obesity. C-section rates will be needed. Uh, will be uh, C-section will be needed, and the rates will inc- increase. So the 17% or 15% recommended by the WHO will grow, because we will have um, less healthy mothers, and they will need more C-sections. Um, so what to do? And again, I think it's very intuitive. Mothers should always remember what is natural. What is natural? Skin to skin is natural. Do skin to skin. Breastfeed, even if your body is not ready because you had a C-section, the body doesn't know that the baby was taken out an hour ago. The body needs to detect no baby and then readjust and then produce milk. But be patient and put the baby in the breast skin to skin, that is a natural thing to do. So even if the baby was came out by passing a natural birth canal, 
do everything that is natural. And that is a lot of hugging the baby, skin to skin. The baby will not die of starvation because it doesn't eat for 24 hours. Baby will eat and will be nourished. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, just be a lot with the baby. I, I wonder, you know, in our culture, we put babies to sleep alone in a far room and then monitor them with our technology. I think babies should be closer to the mother and have repeated frequent contacts with the mom. Uh, then, of course, when the baby is already six months and the brain has developed enough to be able to interact, to see, to respond to stimulus, to grab, grab everything to the mouth, let them, let them play with dirt, take them to the, to clean uh, parks. Again, in urban parks, we have to be careful because some parks are built on top of uh, a lot of contaminated grounds where there were buildings with you know, toxins. And so take the kids to natural spaces that were, have never been built. Uh, in New York, Central Park is one of those spaces. Um, and let them play, you know, at the right age. Let them, you know, be on the ground and, and interact with nature. I think uh, we consider dirt dirty, dirty and, and that's a problem. We have to reivindicate dirt and expose babies at the right age. Gloria, I know you have an appointment and I am so grateful for your fitting um, my interview today into your schedule and really for the very important work that you're doing. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your insights with my online community. I'm very, very appreciative. Thank you so much for your invitation. It's a big pleasure for me. A delight. Have a, have a great day. You too. And thank you everyone for joining me today. If you agree that this is an important topic for other moms, moms-to-be and health professionals to hear about, please make sure to share this episode and also leave a review on iTunes so that more women and more professionals hear about Dr. Dominguez Bello's work. Thank you so much, everybody. See you next week. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time. <laughs>